Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 14, season 3, episode 14 of the Euphoria podcast, available on SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, and Spotify as well. And if you are on YouTube and you want some sick timestamps, they are in the description. You can jump to wherever you want. Um, We're going to be talking about a lot of different things today. All of the teams, all of the top teams heading to MSI will be graciously skipping over play-ins outside of the uh, the moments where it matters most. But some be- updates before we get into anything. Uh, Quickshot has to get a frog tattoo. He wants basically a Naruto frog. Um, we'll keep you posted on how that goes and what that looks like. But if, if you aren't a weeb for whatever reason, um, it's a ninja frog. He's getting a ninja frog. He lost the bet. Uh, and if you've been living under a rock, G2, unsurprisingly won the LAC finals. Now, cosplay bet, we failed. We will get Arcadia cosplay, and we will, uh, to make it up to you in the community, as well as to Yankos and Mickey X, who we did disappoint in the end, we will uh, talk to them about a suitable punishment, a little additional add-on, additional add-on to the bet to make sure that me and Frosk are, are sufficiently embarrassed with Arcadia cosplay. I will be Evelyn. She will be Akali. Yeah, I think so. All right, I will be... I will get a boa. I will be... I don't know, man. We're going to figure it out. I promise we failed. I'm sorry. I love you all. Thank you for putting up with us. Um, but today, our very special guest to discuss with us, European League of Legends from the League of Legends European Championship Series. I said that right? Okay. Um, this is Andrew Vettius Day. Uh, hello, sir. Why don't you Why don't you tell the, the, the audience a little bit about yourself? I don't know if they know who you are. You've never uh, been allowed on this podcast before. <laughs> <laughs> I... I cast and analyze the European League. Um, I also do funny skits occasionally to help explain complex ideas. Are you a connoisseur or an expert of European League of Legends? Let's say a combination of the two. An exorcist. Exorcist? Yeah. It sounds like like the exorcist, but like... (laughs) (laughs) Is that the next... I I extract knowledge from the pros and then I reveal it to the world. So if you're wondering why we're all a little bit sleepy, it's because we woke <laughs> up at the crack of dawn to do the plans draw show, which many of you may have missed, um, understandably, because Europe is not involved. Good job, Europe. We do not have to play plans. We are fantastic. Uh, and once again, for those of you living under a rock, G2 has made it. But before we talk about G2 at MSI, they 3-0'd in the finals. I'm going to ask every other region if they felt like they, they sent the strongest representative. I feel like I already know the answer from my two EU experts, but I'll say it anyway. Is G2 the strongest team that we yes. sent to MSI? There you go. Thank yeah. They're also, so I've been making the statement, I think G2 is has the potential to be um, the strongest European team ever. I agree with this. A lot of people are getting angry at me because they're like, wow. fanatic. And I was like, oh, I mean, you've got a good point. They're not that yet. <laughs> but also, um, people like to say that, but then it's like, guys, people have gotten better at League of Legends. It's I mean, like true. Season three SKT would get their shit. But I, so the thing that matters to me is that, so I understand, because one of the arguments that I used is I think it's been very rare where a team has been comprised of the first or second best player mm. within a region in Europe. But Vadius, on a single team. What about Perks? Well, no, but what people would say is they would go, um, well, Perks is one of them, but they would also go like Fnatic last year yeah. had the best player in every position. Um, and I mean, that's the debate, right? Like, like, I don't know if that's entirely true. Um, but my point is, I think that when you look at the, 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 the unique thing about G2 is how 
diverse and flexible they actually are. Their ability to play multiple champions in multiple different roles, the fact that every single one of them share a champion pool, the fact that every single player is willing to play different positions at any time, like this kind of versatility, this level of aggression, this level of understanding of the game is something that I feel we've never seen from any of the team. Um, and like if we just compare them to last year's Fnatic, they were very good at, they had a very good early game um, and they were good at team fighting. That was like their core strength. Whereas G2 seem to have, be good at everything. Like they seem to be good at team fighting. They seem to have a good early game. They can play a wide variety of styles, whether it be 1-3-1, 1-4. They can play well around Baron. Like they feel like the whole complete package, um, which is why I so adamantly believe in this statement uh, and which is why I think this year will be one of the best years in Europe's history. So. I also think it's like the best way to play League of Legends because it kind of seems in its most basic sense like two different styles. There's the style where you play to force others' mistakes and then you capitalize on those mistakes oh. or you play to not make mistakes and then you punish mistakes that the enemy team does. It's kind of the, the old school like defensive Korean style versus like offensive Chinese style yeah. and one has a much higher risk reward and it felt like most of the Western teams for the longest time were trying to mimic the defensive um, style where you just slowly build up and it doesn't necessarily translate to just slow gameplay but just this idea that unless you're you know 80% sure that something's going to work you're not going to capitalize on it and that can tend to slow games down whereas G2 and a lot of the professional players kept using this word limit League of Legends they play to the absolute limit that their champions are able to do and so it feels like every single time you watch the team you learn something new about how an interaction works so I agree with Vettius in terms of like the sheer ability the versatility but also just I think that this is the best style of League of Legends like like, do crazy sh until it's not crazy anymore. It's actually just normal. And then you are on a completely different level than any other team. And also, to be fair, like, Riot Games is very much buff the style, right? Like, tower plating is very Invictus much Gaming says yes. Yeah, it's like, very much a buff to aggressive, very proactive early games. And the fact that it just falls off at 14 minutes is like, oh, well, there's, you know, whatever, 1,500 gold or whatever per tower that you're not actually going to get if you don't take and if you don't fight and uh, you don't risk these things. And I, I just generally like it because it's, um, it's good after 2018 Worlds to see people have a lot more faith in Europe. Because even when people like put faith in Fnatic, it's always like, ooh, Fnatic are going to make it out of groups and like maybe make it to a semi. Like I don't think anyone was like hardcore like Fnatic are going to finals last year. And now this is the first time I think that people are putting G2 not just as like a surprise contender, but like a solid contender in the top three. Yeah, I think it, it kind of also goes back to that play style. And uh, RNG and Invictus Gaming are actually like really good foils for Fnatic and uh, G2 and the sense that like RNG have been so consistent in making it to so many world championships in the same way that Fnatic have because the core of their playstyle has always been that really like defensive uh, you only care about what you're doing how you're going to roll up you wait for the other team to make mistakes and as soon as they give you an inch they take everything whereas Invictus Gaming and G2 are much more like force mistakes capitalize on them have so much creativity constantly be moving around constantly changing things up but also and, like they're, they're a team of playmakers oh yeah well, they are like they they will take gambles they will like something we've said all split long which is like the the 51 percent right which is that if a play on paper looks like it should be 50 50 right g2 players and victus gaming players and like players like these will do it because they believe that they 
are the 51%. And nine times out of 10, they make it work because they're just that good at League of Legends. And like Shy is one of the perfect examples of these kind of players where you watch his final, a team when they're losing, Shy's just like, well, you know what? I think I can 1v4 because that's the capabilities of my champion and I can do this and I'll, and I'll outplay. And he does, right? And Wonder is another player that yeah. does these kind of things. And 50-50 is not a 50-50 if you're the better player. Right? And this is the thing. And the, like um, G2 is stacked full of playmaking players that are not idiots they're actually very smart about the game i think they demonstrated that in their final against og um and yeah I, i'm very excited about this roster i cannot wait to see what they can do on an international stage i am most excited to see them play against invictus gaming because i genuinely believe they are mirrors of each other stylistically and the last time caps went up against rookie he did lose like no one's debating that um and I think, like, Wonder, the last time he played against the Shy, he also did not have a fun time. And he, I remember him being very vocal about, like, I'm never giving Shy Jace again, right? Like, uh, <laughs> uh, but, like, there's a lot to prove for G2, and it's definitely going to be a, a very interesting challenge to see how they've developed and grown with this new roster. Yeah, and just to see if our, if our faith is well placed, right? Because it is always hard to know exactly how strong a team is going 100%. to be. 100%. In a regional comparison, is always very difficult. Um, when you look at, at at this team overall as an EU contender, like we talk about all the things that they do really well. Are there are there weaknesses that we're scared of as, as EU representatives? Like if anything is gonna fall apart, if anything is gonna crash and burn for G two, like what are are there any red flags we can see already that could pop up on the international stage? At the highest level, because you're going to the champions tournament and you're going to be competing with the best in the world in their respective positions. Um, I'm concerned about Perks and Mickey, not because I don't think that they have the, or lack the individual talent to compete. I absolutely think that Perks and Mickey are, or will be one of the best bot lanes that the world has ever seen, just because of their sheer mechanical strength, how they think about the game and like their confidence. Um, but that takes time and learning some of these matchups. I remember, and I won't reveal the team's names, but a European team was once scrimming a Chinese team in Worlds, and they played both sides of the matchup. And the European team thought they knew exactly how the matchup worked. And then when they got beat by both sides of it by the LPL, it like destroyed their confidence. They're like, I know nothing about this game. I don't know how this is supposed to work. And it like it destroyed them in scrims, and they stopped scrimming that team. And that doesn't just happen to European teams. It happens all the time. But for like Perks and Mickey, like you have to fundamentally change how you think. You have to be willing to, to continue learning. And I think those players do have that capability that they won't just be like the logical players of it works like this and if it doesn't work like this, like when it's played to a perfect because they play Limit League of Legends. But I just don't think that it's going to be at this tournament. I think that's where you can really exploit uh, G2. I don't know if Teddy, Mata, Jackie Love, Balan, or Doublelift and Core JJ will be the necessarily the bot lanes to do that. But like... If I were going to try to attack G2 anywhere, I would try to disrupt them with certain matchups that they might not be as comfortable in and see if you can rock them there because Perks just hasn't played enough positions in ADC. Like, there's thousands of games for Doublelift alone, for uh, Teddy's hundreds. Vettis, do you agree that the bot lane is, like, where you would look if you had to point any weakness? And before anyone freaks out, not, like, in, in, in the international scope, not like these guys are bad. Once again, Frostgren said it. They are so good. I've been burnt yeah. before by making jokes about Perks being a liability. <laughs> gotta, gotta clarify. So like, and, like, I, if Mickey's not screaming as much. It's, it's one of those things where... Um, I think it's really difficult because we've never really seen this team challenge domestically to ideally point out weaknesses. And... Um, individual skill is something that I've always thought was really fascinating because for the longest time in League of Legends, um, pros never really beat other pros. Like it was almost like if you were good enough, then it was fine. 
you know? Like what made Faker so good is that he would just play things that people didn't think was even possible. And so right. other pros were like, oh my God, it's like he plays in slow motion. Yes, and it's, it's one of those things, but for the longest time, like... Pros very rarely got solo kills. Like you'd very rarely outplay your opponent. Like you'd build up small CS advantages, but like it was very matchup dependent, and very rarely would you actually outplay your opponent. Um, but then with like over the last two years specifically, the meta's evolved in a way that allows playmakers to be more lane dominant. Um, and something that I didn't believe until I saw it was like the difference in skill between players like Rookie and the Shy versus everyone else. And um, it's one of those things where coming into this tournament, I struggle to believe that Perks and Mickey are just going to lose. But given that I've seen it happen before, <laughs> and um, like as a European, I firsthand experienced like watching Caps just get obliterated by rookie like people always sit there and say like oh but he was in loads of bad matchups and he wasn't set up for success i'm like yeah i understand that also that just hasn't happened but like caps, i i remember right? watching caps play against rookie and he just got beaten right like he was beaten like and caps has said it himself right he he respected a lot how good rookie was and um it's one of those things where like i struggle to believe it but i can see it happening i could see it happen to the bot lane of uh of g2 but until i see it i i can't as a european fan believe it you know, like, and that's just my bias kicking in where I'm like, I struggle to sit there and go, no, they're going to lose. They're going to, but like, I agree with Frost that it is a potential weakness. And as an analyst, you kind of have to be realistic and the experience difference is there. There's very talented bot lanes going to this tournament. Um, and you have to respect that. So yeah, I can see it as a potential, it's but kinda, I can't believe it until I see it. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like that mentality of like, if you're trying to climb ELO, just pick comfort, even yeah. if you know it's a bad matchup because you'll just be the the better player in it and i remember it's my strategy i believe it wholeheartedly as a, <laughs> as, a <laughs> as a coach i ran into so many players who would just have the mentality of um it didn't matter who they were facing just on the matchup because like you're saying like it used to be that oh it's a losing matchup like i will just go down to cs like no solo kill will happen nothing yeah. will snowball of it because everyone we're just in this vacuum in this controlled environment and they weren't taking into account of who was piloting the champion yeah. and how you could fundamentally break the game yeah. and now it, it is completely different and i think that's again what is so exciting about g2 but then what's just so scary about g2 because they are facing teams like skt tl and invictus gaming because i think all those players are capable of the exact same thing I think it's like, it actually makes me really excited. I'm really, because for such a long time, period of time, we were playing, um, we'll call it the Korean style. You know, the very macro heavy, very slow, very focused. And it was, it was artistic, right? But it was never explosive, right? And like you could see like the beauty and like a really well executed strategy, but also you didn't see that like there was not a lot of room for individual expression of skill, right? Like that's how it felt for the longest time. That period of time was, was difficult to watch because you're like, oh, this guy's better. Because he goes up and, you know, when he wins matchups, he wins them a little harder. We lose matchups, he doesn't lose them as quite as hard as anyone else. And he's really good in team fights, right? But now it feels like games can literally just be decided by a single lane having an individual skill difference. So the one thing I will also say about G2 is um, one of the difficulties teams like Origin had against them was they're very difficult to prepare and predict for. The fact that, like, they even said they did know the funnel was coming. Like, the execution was poor, but, like... Um, I think predicting and playing around G2 is challenging, but now teams have actually seen a lot of what G2 does, and I don't know if it helps or hurts them. Like, I don't know what it's like to prep for a team that is G2, but 
now that they know they're willing to do crazy stuff, I don't know if that better enables teams, which means that they can come in better prepared, or if it's something that's very difficult to prepare for because you don't actually know what they're going to bring to the table. But if I were to say on paper, the one advantage I give over G2 compared to someone like Invictus Gaming is that they can flex their champions across three roles, whereas IG is more likely to flex it across two. And the ability to have that extra flexibility means that you're more likely to guarantee winning matchups. And in that case, you can leverage that um, to get an advantage over a team like Invictus Gaming. But uh, it's difficult, because I would say that Invictus Gaming is a little more standard than someone like G2, but it's, I don't know if it's an advantage or a disadvantage or not. It's I actually think, because um, I agree with the sentiment that G2 stylistically should have an edge, uh, especially if we're talking about in context of like Invictus Gaming, because they do have more versatility and, and their champion pools across more positions. I think that it literally comes down to this. It's a skill check. If true. the individual pieces of G2 don't get absolutely blasted, can skill check across from the individual pieces of IG, then you start to see if the style um, can give them an edge. And yep. if not, then it's literally G2 holding on for dear life to stylistically outmatch. But a lot of people will be like, you know, fanatic prove that you can do that in group stage. But what was interesting is when you talk to Whippo, which he has very strong opinions about Invictus Gaming, it feels like it haunts him. He always talks about how you know, you didn't see Lissandra Aftershock until the very end. And it almost sounds like Whippa has the opinion that IG held the strategy uh, until they were forced to reveal it in the finals and then just blew Fnatic out of the water. And I'm not trying to promote the idea of, like, sandbagging, but I hope that G2 can skill check IG and then yeah. it comes down to style. That's a big question, right? You don't know. And I <laughs> lean towards G2 having more like stylistic options, but uh, maybe IG again are just kind of sitting on a Lissandra aftershock situation. <laughs> it's a, I mean, it's just so wild to think that at the top level, a team can hold back strategies like that. And also just the idea I mean, that... What we hear about it all the time. Like the... Um, I know like... The misfortune support. Yeah, counter desire. Yeah, but the counter to it that was being scrimmed was Lux at yeah. the time. But they were scrimmed on opposite sides of the bracket, and all the analysts were like, we're ready for it, and it never got to show. And then there was also a different Ari build to counter Syndra. Was it, was it Hose and It was the, the GLP thing, right? Ari, so you could absorb the Syndra burst damage, but then have the utility to chase her down. And we saw that Faker was, like, scrimming it hard in um, solo queue because he was trying to prepare a pick for it when Syndra was, like, so broken, but it just never made it to the stage. And so, like, top-level teams have so many strategies that they prepare that you never see the light of day of. God bless G2 and their wildness. They show us at least three every time they hit the stage. Um... <laughs> Moving in, you talked about like kind of the style of G2, and I'm curious, uh, group stage is always an interesting time. You know, like best of one, as we've seen, is a very explosive form. This is a great best of one team, that's for sure. Yeah, that's what <laughs> I was going to ask, is like, is this best, so the best of ones benefit this team? Yeah, I mean, I've 100%. seen the Fnatic series where they like, you know, it comes down to a game of inches. So I think that the thing about Fnatic is you knew what to expect from them last year, yeah. right? Like... I'm not going to say... They had a good early game. Broxa and uh, Caps... Oh, Hillisang. I see it. Broxa and Hillisang were a large part of what made their early game so strong. And uh, you're right there, Frost. I opened this and it's half empty already. And I'm like, <laughs> I didn't drink this. And I'm just like making eyes at you. I'm like, who that was my water bottles? <laughs> you need to calm down. For the record, uh, in podcast land, Frost has many separate water bottles set aside just for her to drink. She's now spilled water on the table. 
because she's a, not an adult. <laughs> Excellent tangent, Frost. You're, you're great. Thank you. Thank you for your contributions. Um, so this team is excellent in best of ones in the sense that like um, Fnatic was very predictable and you know what they were going to do. Like yep. Roxa and Hillisang would try to set up some kind of early level one play and then Fnatic would use an early game advantage to kind of hold on to a lead and then they would work towards team fighting, right? Like that was very standard. It was a very reliable strat. They were very good at it. We saw sentences of it this year as well. We saw it at MSI and RNG were like, give them their strategy. We know we could do it better. Yeah, That's right. literally what happened. They right. just ran into a wall. Right, right, right. Exactly. And um, I'll never forget that series. You know, Fnatic get early leads all three games and they lose every time, right? Anyway, um, G2 do not have that same issue because you don't actually know which strat G2 will go for. They can play around top. They can play around mid. They can play through bot. They can play for team fighting. They can play for split push. Typically, they do prefer the one three one style because they have two very strong solo laners that they want to enable. But um, I don't think that they are burned by it as they demonstrated in the finals. So uh, I think that that naturally makes you a strong um, best of one team because the unpredictability of what you can bring out in a draft makes it difficult to plan for. And when you only get one opportunity and you don't get to learn in a series, that's just a very challenging thing to deal with. So uh, I think they're a very strong best of one team. Uh, and honestly, I think the likes of SKT and Team Liquid, who I also expect to make it there, would um, will struggle against like the likes of G2 and Invictus Gaming in this best of one environment. Okay, I like that. And I'm glad that you brought up SKT because that's a team I want to hit on today. Uh, for the record, Papa Smithy was sadly unavailable. He sends his regards, but as he's not here, we'll be talking with each of our guests today a little bit about SKT and a little bit about the LCK in general. So, Vettius, I know you have... Some opinions on something. G2 versus SKT. Is there any bold statements that you'd like to throw out there? So um, I will preface this by saying I've only so far watched the final, right, of SKT. I've tracked them a decent amount throughout the split, mm. but I'd still really like to watch their series versus Kingzone uh, as a better indication of what SKT can bring, uh, which I haven't done yet, um, because I felt like their series versus Griffin didn't show a lot for SKT, it showed more about like the faults in Griffin, I felt. Mm. Um, so I still want to like give SKT more of the benefit of the doubt because uh, many Korean analysts and high expectations were put upon SKT coming to the final, right? They clearly have a lot of respect among the teams there. And I do think that they are a good team. Some of the things that I noticed about the team was that Khan seems to not be the same Khan that he was in the past. He seems to be more over-aggressive, especially in the laning phase, and he seems to be a lot more susceptible to being outplayed than he was in the past. Now, that's not to say he's a bad player. His Riven in Game 3 was both kind of terrible, but at the same time, absolutely amazing. Um, so he's one of those players that seems a little bit more um, inconsistent compared to what we've seen in the past, where he was like considered one of, if not the best top laner when he went to Worlds, I think it was on Kingzone at the time. Um, and the bot lane of Teddy and uh, Mata, while exceptionally good, not hyper-aggressive. They're not the, team, the laners that seem to try to dominate and snowball their lanes. But again, because it's only based on the final, I only saw them play against a Pantheon and Talia. So this is why great I want to watch them a little bit more. Lane. This is why I want to watch them a little bit more before I completely evaluate this team. But the one thing that does seem very consistent across all their games is that they remind me a lot of Origin and how they play. They're not limited in their style. They don't seem to be like very team fight focused or like they can play through. They can get early game leads, but they're very controlled. They're very systematic. They take their time in the plays that they make and um, they're very good at being reactive. Any play you try to make, they're very aware that you could do it 
and they're very quick to respond and have a game plan in the event that something happens. Um, so that's why they remind me a lot of Origin. Uh, and stylistically, they're very different from the likes of uh, G2 and Invictus Gaming in that they don't try to force a lot of plays. They're very patient. They're very calculated. They're very calm. Um, and the, the term I used is they're very good at losing gracefully. When they're in losing matchups, they don't fall behind dramatically. They're very calm. They're very patient. And they know that they'll get to a point where they can turn things around. So um, I think they're very systematic, very patient. And for EU fans that may not have followed them, stylistically, they are very similar to Origin in how they approach the game. I think what's interesting is that they also have experience with multiple different styles because of just the uh, overall strength of LCK this split and kind of like how many different takes oh, for sure. teams had. It got a lot faster with, you know, like the young blood teams, um, Griffin in particular kind of leading that charge. Whereas I don't think the same can be said for all of the regions. That's true. I haven't watched North America like super in depth. I need to prep for them more. But every game that I did catch from them, not that they all have the same style, but it wasn't as vast in terms of like the collection of styles as you would see in LCK or even in um, LEC with teams like G2 and Origin who are like on completely different sides of the spectrum. Um, and then the LPL, kind of the same thing. Like they are, they don't have a lot of variation of styles in the region. Um, you have Invictus Gaming who are just like dominating everything and you have like 5v5 teams, but that's kind of it. So I feel like NA and LPL won't have the same experience as like G2 and SKT in terms of just the sheer different takes that teams will throw at them. Yeah. And this is kind of the interesting thing, right? Because when people hear me say the statement, stylistically, Origin and SKT are similar, and then people go, well, wait, G230 at Origin. People may then jump to the conclusion, so surely that means that G2 are heavy favorites against SKT. And this is kind of where the debate comes in. Do you think stylistically one is just objectively better than another one, which gives a team an advantage? Or do you think that the individual talent on the, on the team or the teamwork of a team is enough to compensate um, for the stylistic difference to, to create some kind of... I also think that Origin really suffered from execution on their style. For sure. And I don't think SKT will. So I actually think we'll get like what yeah, Origin should have been. I want to reinforce the like. I'm not going to make the comparison that Origin and SKT are on the same tier, right? I'm not trying <laughs> same to say style. that. Same style. Stylistically, they yeah, remind me of each other. They're playing the same character in a fighting game, but yes. one guy knows all the combos, and yeah. the other guy's like, I can do the Hadouken, you know? Yeah. Like, it's technically the same. No, the other guy knows what combo he wants to do, but his fat fingers just keep... <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to do it. It's the super. I keep ending up with the ultra. Like, I, just, just, exactly. I keep dying in river. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> it's interesting. But Vettius... You, you talk a lot about like the, the theoreticals, the, the hypotheticals. How do you think G2 will do against SKT? Preliminary, preliminary, once so again. Preliminary, I would argue that G2 are the favorites in, this, in that best of one. Uh, right now, if I had to vote, I would vote G2 to win uh, the best of one, at the very least. We already talked a little bit about how G2, I think, are very uh, just stylistically very good in a best of one environment, um, which I think gives them an advantage. Um, but I also just think the biggest thing for me is that while SKT are um, a good team, they do what Origin did in that they don't push their lead recklessly. They like to wait for the opportune moment. They like to make sure that the correct play is being made. And I think for a team like G2 and Invictus Gaming, and even if, if you watch the series versus Griffin, Griffin took a lot of opportunities that you wouldn't expect. They made a lot of plays that just kind of came out of nowhere. And people might think, what are they doing? But in the moment, you're like, actually, this caught SKT completely off guard. And if the goal difference wasn't as big as it was, this could have actually been the comeback moment for Griffin if the execution was a little bit better. And teams like um, G2 and Invictus Gaming, I expect to do the same thing. Um, 
And that's why I think that I would give G2 the edge right now. But again, I still need to watch a little bit more of SKT. For sure. Because um, I, I don't think I've been going but I, the whole but I do like I do like to compare and contrast always when we come into these tournaments because there's always like initial opinions about a team and then there's always the... We've seen them play on the international stage. There's the now I've watched all of their VODs and like I think maybe this is a strategy they could use. And so like that development of opinion, I think is actually always really interesting to track. I think G2's decision making is like I have confidence in in terms of sending them to the international like this caliber of competition. I think their solo lanes I have confidence in, sure. even though like Caps, like I think I don't think Caps is going to get clapped as bad. He'll lose, but if he does, he'll lose gracefully. I have a lot of questions about Mickey and perks for a combination of reasons 100%. experience and scrim time and, and i have potential issues as in like risk yeah issues. yeah i think we're, exactly. we're for anyone wondering why we aren't talking more about the mickey issue it's like we don't know. And one until it, it g2 released a statement um we talked about this on the group draw show but g2 have also clarified that like mickey will play but in the event that everything gets too bad that like promise q is there to step in and until that happens we won't like speculate about the worst we'll talk about full strength g2 assuming mm -hmm. that they are full strength g2 but my only other concern uh is yankos and again yeah. yankos is a great player but it's a very different jungle. and i talked to you a little bit about this like a very different jungle style um and there's not a lot of competition for yankos in the lec like and frankly in the origin versus g2 uh best of five the first one like cold just outpathed yankos and so if you think about uh skt as like mini not saying like clit is anything like cold but this idea of like kind of the cerebral control team um you know clit has much more to work with than Origin does. And so if he's able to ever, like, exploit, although it would be in a different way, like, that's the thing. I think if Yankos has a good tournament, then day one, if I see Yankos pop off, I'm like, all aboard, boys, we're great. If Yankos starts, like, faltering, I'm like, you know, sh you know, you can have good team decision making, you know, strong enough laners that you can skill check these teams and the, the bot lane finds good matchups. But if you just get blasted in the jungle and you just lose so much control of the map at this high level, I'm like, sh and Yankos doesn't have the greatest reputation in I mean, like high pressure games. Olaf versus Velkos. Oh, just um, running it in. Straight <laughs> into that laser. So for me, I'm like, I'll be all eyes on Yankos to see how he stacks up to um, Clid, Ning, and Xmith. No. Yeah. I feel like you always have to say NA just to be like respectful. I mean, to be fair, like. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but like. Good. Clid and Ning. <laughs> Xmithy, um. I mean, I won't go too Smithy's long on this because I yeah. can go on a tangent, but I do think that he is... Uh, you have to consider him a world-class jungler considering the number of titles that he's had on multiple different teams. It just... It was like the third time that I like yeah. had to tag on North yeah. America. I'm like, people are going to be like, oh, why are they even... And Ick Smithy was probably the most justified win to tag on to yeah, that yeah, conversation. So. There you go. Um, as we wrap up here, Vedius, I want to... Can you give us your top three preliminary top three dear audience before there's a reddit thread flaming you <laughs> although we will probably make a twitter graphic and people will flame you not yeah people are gonna context. flame me anyway okay what's your what's your top three i MSI? think your reasoning is solid like even if i disagree with it slightly before anyone like flames you like i totally see your logic i i think it's pretty solid um so i mean it's, uh, end of the tournament top it's one of those things right where i think it's really important to remember that these are opinions <laughs> and until, you mean facts? <laughs> and until anything actually happens and we see gameplay, um, I have nothing else to base it on because you know we've got multiple weeks of practice and play. Yep. But my current uh, expectations are that IG are my favorites to win the tournament, uh, G2 are in second, and then SKT is third. Uh, I think it is a close race. I think all teams have the potential to obviously beat each other. But I think that, uh, no disrespect to Team Liquid, but I do think that they are not quite at the same caliber as the other three teams. Um, and uh, 
that can be a discussion for another time. Now clip this, and when TL wins, <laughs> this is the repeat. <laughs> yeah. You retweet, you throw this back in his face, you're going to retweet the graphic that said initial predictions when G2 are fourth. You know, this is, come I on, think, audience, like, let's, let's burn him down. I think the most important thing, and just kind of the other caveat here, is that if this comes, like, depending on what the tournament meta is, yeah. because for me, IG were like hyper buffed because the tournament medal was perfect for them because there's a reason why IG were struggling for so long in their domestic region and then yeah. everything like shifted and like we are the best team in the world at this yeah. style so I'm like really curious like if the meta hyper shifts away from this if IG will fall back down again and you'll have teams like uh like SKT return because they play that different style and like that's what I think is really cool about this tournament is that uh we don't really know what the tournament meta is going to be. It could no. just favor SKT Joshua Jatleesman's MSI. <laughs> Who will come out on top? I'm telling you, team. it's a conspiracy theory. He's like, I can get it done, guys. Give me three months. I guess right. the, uh, the 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 final messaging I really want to get across is that a lot of people um, comment to me saying that IG and SKT are on this pedestal above, and people are getting behind this like they're overhyping G two, and like as an EU analyst. Um, people like it's difficult to take my opinion like for, uh, as credible because there's an element of bias or at least that's the perception of people but I guess I really want to reinforce that uh, G2 is definitely as good as uh, we talk about them like they are a very talented team and I do think that SKT is not quite the same uh, team that they were in the past and they shouldn't be put on the highest pedestal yet until they have proven uh, international success. But IG earned that pedestal, folks. Oh, yeah, there, IG, uh, you can IG put IG up there. there. You can put IG up there. All right, Vidius, that's going to do it for our time with you. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us about oh, thank you. We'll move on to our next guest shortly. Our next guest is here with us live from somewhere in China. Hello. It is none other than Barento Raz Muhammad. Ni howdy. Ni howdy. That's what we used to say in the office. He knows. <laughs> Everyone used to say it. And then immediately be embarrassed when someone, like, literally anyone else that's not in on the joke comes by and is like, what are these idiots doing? <laughs> because we had a Texan in our team, and he would just say howdy, and then we were learning Chinese together. So instead of saying, yeah, that, me, you, me you howdy. Joke, I mean, I, yeah, I got it. All right. Next that's, time you see Raz, me howdy. There you go. I thought Asian fusion stopped at sushi burritos, but but here we go with the me howdy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Raz. Um, you haven't been on the show before, before, but so before we get into uh, talking about Invictus Gaming and how terrifying they are uh, as a team, what's up? How's life? Talk to us a little bit about everything you're doing in the LPL. Hit me with some Mandarin. Hit us with some Mandarin. Oh snap! Oh no! Well, yeah, Jongwei cappuccino, uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Well, you didn't buy Jongwei. What's the cafe? So that one actually is like the easiest one. Literally just like just translates perfectly. Oh, yeah, yeah, I went to a cafe, wants coffee, all that nonsense. I'm really bad at it. When you put me on the spot, you're going to get butchered. Like I know for certain there's a lot of ethnic Chinese people listening on the show and they're like, oh God, stop this segment. <laughs> but Raz, you're improving. They can't hold it against you as long as you continue to try. They will make fun of you, but they can't hold it against you. That's the process, dude. That's true. You That's survived. True. How are the finals? That's true. Oh my god, it was Wait, beautiful. No, was, I, I actually yeah. have a thing to what what do you mean that your guys' finals arena was to be determined? Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> what is that about? No, no lie. You guys we don't have to get to that point, all right? We got the job done. Foshan was the destination and it sold out immediately. 
Well, did they try to hold the location in secret because they were afraid that scalpers? Was this to help people actually get tickets to the event? Uh, no, not from my knowledge. But uh, to be fair, there's a lot that was outside of my knowledge on that one. But it made it definitely hard going on to like the semifinals broadcast and being like the finals in a big stadium somewhere. <laughs> no lie. I missed this context. On the semifinal graphic when they were doing JDG, it said finals to be determined. I was like, what do you mean it's to be determined? It's in two weeks. That's great. I want that for the LEC. I just want to get a big spinner behind the wall after the semifinals. Like, where are we going this time? <laughs> One thing I've got to say, like, I remember the LEC, like, going into the season, they're like, here's our playoff format. Get it in there. And I'm like, I'm this year in, like, week seven, week eight. I'm like, I think I know the playoff format. Yeah, and then <laughs> like, we're literally in playoffs, and people are like, why are Origins still here? <laughs> Aww, sad life. It's always unexpected, but uh, it kind of reminds me of the playoffs itself. Because I used to be good at predictions. Like, I remember the last time I went to MSI and I was like, Mr. Prediction Man. And then I went to like, thank God, not a lot of those people will be getting a look at my prediction rate during the LPL playoffs because I feel like I guys every single bet on the wrong horse every single time. JDG messed you up. How? Look, no one could predict that. Literally, Caps predicted it. He literally sent you a video of talking about how JDG were going to go to the finals. He dreamed it. (laughs) That's how Twilight was created. And it is a best-selling book, so you take it back. (laughs) It's insanity. Like, I was making... Look, the entire road, the moment I saw that footage and we were going to put it on air, is like, what kind of Martin Luther Bull? Like, I, like, did not believe what I was about to put up there. And then the moment it came through and they took down WE, I was like, okay, you know what? They look good, but RNG is next. I'm skeptical. RNG has to win that one. And then it goes to game five, JDG win that one. I was like, there's no way they beat FPX. Like, I've been an FPX dadder all split long, but even then, they're an eight-seeded team. You ready for my low-key flame? You know what all three of those teams are missing? Oh, here we go. A top laner. Oh, no! But to be fair, to be fair... I swear to God, if you say Gim Goon the first word out of your mouth, I'll slap you. <laughs> now, I wasn't going to, but it was going to be the second point. <laughs> now, it was going to be the second point. <laughs> but, like, all of those series, legitimately, like, JDG's demons were their AD carry position. Like, regular season, like, the stat that was the funniest one that I kept, you know, I picked out early and midpoint of the season was... uh. Imp died the most of all AD carries in like 2v2 situations, like, you know, AD carried, like literally just in lane, right? Can't technically be a solo kill because it's literally a dual lane. That's why I love that stuff for bot laners. They're like exempt from it because someone watches them make terrible decisions. (laughs) (laughs) But like they have, their communication in the lane was so bad, so consistent for so long. And then they get into the playoffs, solo kills Mystic in like game one, first five minutes, like what? And then like, the second series, guess RNG, it was the same for, like it was the same issue, except RNG was like, all right, we got to bring everybody. You know how we are. Like, Carson's going to come to the bottom lane uh, a million times. Uh, control wards galore. And then they just kept weathering the storm. In fact, in like game four, it comes out of like a triple kill because JDG commits to the fight. And I'm like, this is bloody good. <laughs> so LPL playoffs is the most insane one I've ever seen just because the eight seeded team, or at least first and foremost, the 
bottom four teams in the playoffs was only really decided in the last day of the regular season, as per usual. As Classic. It comes down to it. Yeah, I know, right? And so, like, WWE versus JDG was the last set. And um, not only that, it was like, it didn't matter who won and who lost technically because they were going to face each other in the playoffs, fifth seed versus eighth seed. And that was the difference. Literally, if they won the series, it's like, I'm fifth seed or I'm eighth seed. And the only real difference was they'll be on the same side of the bracket, but they get to choose what their side selection was. So Coach Ohm technically just instant. He brings in like the newest, like debuts a support name team. He's like, all right, you got, you're going in for our captain, Lou Mao. We're just like trying this new comp. They like get smashed by Team WE and then they go into the playoff and then make the run. So I was like, everyone had, everyone was behind JDG until the finals happened. And then the finals happened. Yeah, but let's <laughs> let's talk about the finals then because I think there's going to be a lot of people who aren't as familiar with JDG outside of the final. And it's kind of cool to hear how uh, miraculous that a run was. But I think... Uh, this is Draco. It's similar to the finale. Yeah, the uh, yeah I, was like, I was like, guys... <laughs> We stopped making China talk like three years ago. You don't have to bring that podcast back. (laughs) You're bringing it back, man. This is what it is now. If I have the budget for China talk, I'm bringing the budget to you. (laughs) There you go. It would be cheap. It's true. All right. We'll talk talk China talk later. He wants to know about Invictus Gaming. Yeah, well, I do want to know about Invictus Gaming, but talk to me about what changed in the finals for JDG. That there wasn't like they obviously they had this wonderful miracle run and it and it's a cool yeah. thing to see. But what changed for them against Invictus Gaming? Why was this series? Well, their drafts were horrific. So, so like I was actually the funnest thing was going back to Twitter and just seeing Frost's tweet because it was this it was exactly my feeling. Um, I always had to kind of drive in the, the it's always possible for a reverse sweep, but for whatever reason, for how much praise we gave to Coach Roman for JDG coming into that set. We all knew at that set that IG are beautiful on blue side. Even though we knew on red side, like red side rookie, all that stuff, counterpick their solo lanes, that's fine. But uh, Jason and Rise are always going to be their first picks. Like no matter what, they swap in between both top and mid, and they're dominant lane like champions. So if you're going to be on red side, if you're going to be choosing red side, you need to ban either the Rise or like, like you need to be able to have a strategy against it. And their strategy was scale. <laughs> it was literally like lose gracefully in top side, uh, look to team fight on windows with Nocturne and Orin ultimate. And they just got slaughtered in lane. So it was kind of, a, it was really uneventful because it was only game three. Well, technically game two that we started to see them shift towards more <clears throat> early laning phase and mid lane focus. But IG started even like, still took them down afterwards too. So the best thing about IG in that uh, series was even though JDG slowly started to adapt and it was slow, um, IG showcased that they could still team fight better, that they were rotating Baolan and um, and their top lane, the Shy, actually fairly frequently. So whenever the Shy had shove, he would be able to rotate towards mid lane where the skirmishes were happening. They were a team that was a better team fighter, a better roaming team against a team that was for, like literally known for team fighting and rotating. So like IG are basically the perfect team going in that series. So I'm curious um, right now talking to pretty much everyone, IG are like hands down 
the favorite for MSI. Like generally, I think yeah. one or two people, you know, some Korean diehards might say that it's SKT. Some European diehards might be like, this is the year G2 can do it. But for the most part, IG feels like everyone's safe bet. And I've heard, I've heard all the positives. I understand. The shy is the shy. He's unstoppable. There's not a word for it because it's just who he is, right? He's just so good. Rookie is rookie. He smacked literally everyone in the world. He's coming to smack faker. Like, um, but what, Oh, you're coming to hear the negatives. Yeah, but I want to hear the negatives. That's what I want to hear. I want to know, like, what... Because for a long time in the regular season, it was like, Fun Plus X is, like, what you gonna on say top. Like, what... Yeah. Is there... Are there weaknesses? Has this team just been dominating the LPL? Like, give people, like, the TLDR for, for Invictus as a whole over the course of LPL. Because right now, I think people just assume that this team is, like, completely and totally untouchable. Okay, so... You came to the right person, I think. <laughs> and Frost will remember a lot of these criticisms with IG. Uh, they're a team that, like, they play to their opponents. Like, legitimately, they play to their opponents. During the regular season, that is, like, there was never a fight that they saw that they didn't want to take. They took every fight. Didn't matter if they were in a losing position for the fight. In fact, you know what? Got themselves on Reddit for a few of those. Um, it didn't matter if... <clears throat> Um, the enemy team's composition was far better in the early portions of the game. If they went up against Sino Dragons, they're going to be playing the Sino Dragon skirmishes a lot of the time. So, like, that was something that uh, when you saw IG play in the regular season, you're like, are they still the world champions? Uh, what am I watching currently? It felt like there wasn't respect and discipline on the team. Uh, because, of course, not only is the LPL regular season so long, so there is that question of, like, are they going to be doing what RNG did last few splits? So, like, those are the questions that I had initially. I think one, I think one point that uh, still reared its head, even when they were in a best-of-five setting, when they went up against TOP, was that they showcased to me that when they get challenged on topside 2v2, when they finally say, hey, like, because it's not just the fact that the Shy is a really well, like, a strong mechanical player, but also the fact that the jungle proximity for Ning, he plays the top side so consistently. And so it's not that you're going up against the Shy, you're going up against the Shy and Ning. And Ning is prone to a lot of um, <clears throat> mistakes. Like as a player, even though he is our best jungler, uh, alongside my mind, uh, Tian and Karsa, he's someone that he, if he sees that he has pushing lanes, or if he sees that he can take a fight, he will almost certainly take that fight or he will almost certainly die for it. And so like that creates errors because, you know, like sometimes if he's not able to communicate with the shy and he can't, <laughs> communication problems are going to be consistent. We've seen those from like uh, constant uh, videos are just like tuning into their uh, mics. Um, and that draws Ning into basically being put behind. And so when that happens, suddenly the shy can't be supported in the lane. So like that's something that I really wish that in the playoffs, some of these top lane notable teams should have played to their style. Like TOP lost while they were playing away from top lane. JED should have played to their top lane, but they decided against that. So I think that's where I would draw my weakness is that they are a team that is uh, fight first, measure second. And that's something that is certainly you don't want to do up against much smarter teams. So if they're going up against SKT, a team that is far slower, I would say like in, in game pace, that is not as bloody, will place more wards and still has that aggression around Clay because Clay still wants to fight, but he's going to be recognizing when's the right time to do so. I think that's going to be a, not an Achilles heel for Invictus Gaming, but certainly where they will start to lose more games. 
And I'm curious for for both of you now, Frost, since you were were in the LPL for last year, how, how many of these weak these similar weaknesses did we see for IG coming into Worlds last year? Has this been the same story for a while? I think the most important thing to take away from Invictus Gaming is at Worlds, you saw the best iteration that that team has ever done. And, you know, that in itself needs to be complimented because, you know, under pressure, you need to show up. And they certainly did. But to expect that as the standard of IG is not true. I think that they've made some improvements and that it used to be that IG were good at skirmishing, but poor at 5v5ing. I think they're much better at 5v5ing now. Um I think the uh, the rotations from the shy are much cleaner. His TPs are much cleaner, and I almost yes. think that I think the mentality. Like I understand what Raz is saying about I understand what you're saying about like SKT, like with more vision and finding those windows. Because I think it's uh, again, it's about exploiting the windows where you can exploit uh, IG's decision making because you know that they're always going to look for the skirmish or they're going to look for the fight. But I don't think that the game plan should ever be to try to scale against. IG and just say neutralize lane phase, go 50-50 even and gold into team fight phase because at that point I actually think you just lose because rookie and the shy are the best individual players. And unless your composition is just vastly outdrafted for 5v5, you'll just lose to better players. I think you must skirmish them. And that doesn't mean, you know, SKT can do that, G can G2 can do that in different ways, but like you must fight fire for fire and try to exploit those windows early on. You cannot go even against this team. So then I'm curious. I think we have teams that literally can do that. Like G2 is built for that. Like SKT is built for that. I'm really glad I, I liquid to but uh, I'm just, a certain degree as well. I'm re- I know, right? We just had this comment. <laughs> we just had a conversation like, where you always have to mention liquid. liquid. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> but I, I think the scary thing is, is you can learn the wrong lesson because since it's best of one, like let's say that's G2 strategy. They're like, we're going to fight fire for fire. We're going to get scrappy. And let's say that they just picked the wrong fight and everything snowballs because that's how a game snowballs. And then suddenly IG run it back the other way and a team just gets smashed. G2, the fans, they all then learn the lesson. You can't do that. And so they try a different way and they try to scale. And I just think that's absolutely the worst strategy so unfortunately i think my personal opinion is the strategy that i would choose against invictus gaming which is to match the shy and Ning up there to go toe to toe can be so devastating and it can look like you just get slammed and if that happens to a team they could get scared and be like oh put them on scaling uh let's throw everything bottom lane and then they go 5v5 even they make a wrong call over baron and they'll be like oh yeah but if we made the right call over the baron whereas again if i'm ig i'm like you have rookie and the shy if that's a 5v5 and all those players are there i'm gonna go with rookie and the shy <laughs> <laughs> one thing i gotta say that i'm a little afraid about is that uh one of the weaknesses that we had for ig last year too was the fact that they had a rookie support mm-hmm. and i mean rookie ad carry um rookie ad carry and jackie love and jackie love when he was under the spotlight and not so much internationally because internationally he really became like like a demon but regular season uh and against like uzi in particular he really like crumbled um like he made a lot of weird mistakes, like in team fight situations, but he's gone past that. So like literally I feel right now he has the experience. He's been underneath that fire. And so I will still say that sometimes they over pressure a 2v2 situations when you know that Ning is topside. They just challenge you because they can. And a lot of times they succeed off that. So that's IG. Like so confident in the, their own mechanics that they're willing to take the fights that are not necessary is my whole thing with IG. So looking at the competition, are you are you more confident in IG for this MSI than you were for Worlds 2018? Ooh, taking taking yeah. into account the fact that they're up against SKT and, and G2, you know, it's the two primary forms in liquid of competition. And North America. I think so. 
I think so. Because like last time around at Worlds, I had them as like fourth best in terms of if we're just going through all the teams that were there. I had RNG that was stronger than them. I had uh, KT that was stronger than them. And they overcame a lot of those uh, hurdles. And then right now I'm looking at the field and sure there are a lot less teams to deal with. But I think that a lot of the teams that are playing right now at uh, MSI, in a sense, emulated them. Like in a sense, I see G2 as a team that took a lesson from Worlds and saying that we need mechanics. Like we need players that are have to match international teams uh, just in laning phase alone. And so while I think that's true and it means that G2 personally, they are they stand a better chance. Um, I think that they still match, like in terms of laning phase power, they're still better. So like if you try and match a team in identity, but that team still has stronger players, like Rookie's still the best mid laner. Uh, people will have that debate between him and Faker, but I still think Rookie has that. And top lane's the same case too. Well, I mean, that's where it comes down for me. Dang. I think it's like split second decision making and skirmishes. Because like I agree, I think that the Shy is better than Wonder, and that Ning is Ning and Yankos are both kind of inconsistent for me. Like I think Ning's kind of higher highs, but then I'm like, okay, if your G two and your strategy is is you can get a matchup or you know a window that a matchup can be exploited, then the decision making has to be perfect in that window. And how many teams? Uh, the other question that's always really tough for me when I look at this: how many teams in Europe this season are actually going to help G two improve their skirmishing when they already have? so many incredibly strong individual players and they get to style in the competition, right? And and maybe I'm wrong here. This is just like a very LPL couch analyst perspective. But like LPL is a region known for fighting, right? So if, if, if you want to be the skirmishing team and you want to get better as the skirmishing team, LPL is like the place to be. That's the thing. And that's why I think regional competition is so important just in general. And that for LPL, we had our fifth place and eighth place team was only really decided at the end. And even then I felt bad that BLG couldn't make it to the playoffs because like Kuro had had a phenomenal split. I thought he was an excellent mid laner that should be on a world stage. But the last time he was on the world stage, I am flaming you so hard internally. Kuro was so good. Oh man, you said BLG. BLG were so good. But anyways, like that was my thing on BLG that like, I felt like there was some room for teams that who could perform in a playoff setting, and all of these teams did their part. Uh, so that's where I think that for LPL, a lot of these teams who run that gauntlet, you have to have that team fight bone in you. IG had to learn the hard way. That's literally faced every team fight team. <laughs> Actually, in their championship run in 2018, they almost got bopped out of the semifinals. Frost knows this. See, this we said it all the time, Raz. We said um, IG would never be LPL champions until they could learn how to team fight, and they finally did it. It was finally carved into them. There you go. Yeah. So, right, does this just feel like easy clap for you, Raz? Are you like total faith that IG are going to be the the MSI champions? Oh, hell no. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> 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 I mean, SKT will, will have some problems. I think G2, even though I said that the, the individual matchup for G2 versus like IG, I said that I would think IG would win, but I still have a lot of hope in uh, like Mickey X, Perks, Caps, like they still have incredible let me, numbers. And if I'm projecting me, a finals, no, no, no. Here we go, Raz. Just imagine this. Just What's imagine that? the camera is panned towards bot lane. It's G2 versus IG. And you see 
20 teleports on a minion wow. and everyone's flying down there and you're not sure wow. how this one's going to end up. This is when every LPL analyst and every LEC analyst is like, no, that is absolutely going to happen. Well, you'll just have like the mid laners are TPing and the top laners there, the junglers are flying out and you're fighting over Hell a goddamn yeah. cannon creep. <laughs> Yeah, but someone's gonna, someone, yeah. someone's gonna get that 45 gold, that 90 gold. But that's the thing, like, Invictus Gaming will do sh like that, and GT will, like, double down, double down, like, triple down, we need the top laner, and yeah. you're like, oh, that goes on. All, all I will say is that I want a best of five between IG and G2. I would yes. like G2 to win. I'll give I, you at least I, I believe <laughs> in Europe, but IG is terrifying. But there is one team, you talk about SKT, I, I want to get your opinion. Raz, right now, from what you've seen so far of SKT, where do you think that they stand? Because this is something that people are kind of divided on after Korea showing at Worlds last year. A lot of people are like less willing to put them at the top of the ladder. There's a lot of diehard Korea SKT hard fans. Fetty is hard flame them. Oh I, where where do you put SKT right now? How do you see uh, SKT heading into this tournament? Did he hard flame them on this show? Yeah. yeah. Before you came oh on. Oh my goodness. Well, I'm ready, man. I think I, I think holy shit. No, he was actually quite he was quite <laughs> he was very nice. polite. He was actually very cautious and very polite. He wanted to make it very clear oh. that he wasn't actually hard flaming he, them. He's like he compared SKT to Origin in that they have multiple styles and ways that they can attack you on the map, that they're a much more controlled team, that they minimize yeah. risk and have high reward plays, but then they have a higher bar of execution than Origin. So while they are stylistically similar than Origin, they are obviously the better Origin. And then we'll still get three would by G2, yeah. am I right? That's what we're all yeah, trying to say here. Yeah, that was the cap. <laughs> <laughs> so my thing on SKT is that uh, they've learned a primary lesson, uh, or at least LCK in general, that having control on the map, you need to be able to take action. Um, like when you have the control on the map, when you have vision. I still think that SKT at times, and this was my issue with them um, in the playoffs, is that they still took, at regular season as well, that when they had all the information available, that they were still not willing to take, uh, press the button immediately and turn it into a fight. But... They are still far more aggressive, and I think Clay has done an amazing job of being able to lead those fights. So I think that they're a top two team easily. Uh, I think that I would be super surprised if SKT with like Teddy, who got, is an insane mechanic, like he's the best AD carry in the LCK and should be like he's already aiming for that on the world stage. Um, Faker, who is also just incredible. Like, they have exceptional talent. The only place I ding them on is literally just their top lane. And that I cannot trust. Like, going into the finals, I was like, I cannot trust that Khan will, if he's in a deficit, like, lose gracefully. And I cannot trust that if he's engaging on a Vladimir, that he will, like, 80% of the time come out ahead. Because, like, I think that he is an exceptional. Like, he's a great top laner, but his lows are like Westbrook-esque. And so that's where I'm looking at with a con as a problem. That's interesting. Vettius brought up the same thing. Uh, do you see the same issues? What Vettius talked about was kind of like this, a lot of the laning phase being difficult, but still giving him credit outside of the lane as, as like a strong point. But just the laning phase yeah. specifically being this huge potential Achilles heel. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, so I still, while all that being a problem, I think that SKT is still too smart of a team and... Yeah, mostly that. I think they just have a really good gauge of uh, Faker playing through Clit. And late game is a really good call for them as well. I think they just have the members ready for them. Uh, so, yeah, it's tough. I think that this is probably going to be the best MSI yet because of the three teams. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, no. Um, four, the four teams. Okay. 
I mean, to be fair, you can say the three teams that have already qualified for the main stage. Ooh, boom. Three teams that have oh, already... Have it. Because, you, you know, the Flash Wolves and Team Liquid still need to earn their spot yeah. via a best of, of five. I know we'll get to, or at least the, I'll, I'll be able to get to my point on Team Liquid at some point, but I know for certain that SKT... Uh, why are you so? I still think that we're gonna get the finals. Why? Why are you so down on Team Liquid? We have a Zale after you, who's gonna be our NA expert. Yeah. So, like, okay. hit me, hit me with the cold hard truth. Why? Why is everyone down in TL? I think Team Liquid has. I wouldn't say an outdated style, but I think that they're kind of forced down one area. Where so far they have showcased, like before they've had Jensen. That they're a team that's focused primarily on the bottom lane. And I think especially with Core JJ, that's far better and it, like uh, far more consistent. But the issue is those games take too much time. The reason for that is because they can't really have... It goes back to the same point about like carry in the top lane. Uh, Impact is going to be going up against a lot of pressure. And, and I'm talking about like Wonder, um, <clears throat> the Shy, Khan to a certain extent. And I'm not saying that Impact is a bad player by any means, but he needs, like, in terms of drafting, in terms of play style, like, that's going to be incredibly scrappy. Those are going to be early fights. And if you're a team that's really focused on being able to play around your AD carry, you actually get left behind. Like, that's just going to be the style. That was the style going into Worlds, and that's actually the style that came into a lot for the finals, that it was the AD carry needing to catch up to the rest of the team's uh, play style rather than teams necessarily playing to the AD carry. Um, I think Jensen is their key. But it took too late from when I was watching for them to start playing through Jensen. So that's where my concern is, is that they have too slim of win conditions. So I want to see Team Liquid evolve. Uh, I also believe that Impact can play carries, but if we're just starting to stock rank our top laners in the M at MSI, it's unfortunate that of all the major regions that he would be slotted at the last place. He's still exceptional, but in terms of what the style is required, he falls flat. I just want to put it out there that we're in a champions tournament and no flame. Like someone has to come last, but if you're being yeah. ranked among the best of every region, like they're sending their like it's not it's not bad to be fourth. It's not bad to be fourth. I will say this though. Like I still haven't seen what nine point eight or what the new patches are going to give us. Are what you ready teams, for once they scrim? If they give us tank top laners like Orn far more often, that could change everything. <laughs> we've talked about this. We've, we've literally, this like is our that. number one point. Sorry, this is Frostgren's conspiracy theory is the Jet went to the balance team to win MSI for North America and <laughs> the did. tanks are coming back. Raz, it was like perfect timing. He's like, it's probably going to be TL. We got Shin, GP, and Orn, and if tanks come up... This is a fake theory for the GP, record. This is, this is not 100% a wild tinfoil hat conspiracy theory. Please, Jet is just trying to balance the game. And he's doing a good job. It's a good game it's right now. It's a great now. game, but... Also, maybe Wonderful. also this. But yeah, so he, he kicks over the balance team and he starts patching Shin them all buff. in. Shin buff? Horn buff. And you gotta, yeah. you gotta separate them. You can't do it all at once because then it's too obvious. obvious. <laughs> Shen in 9-6, put Orn earlier in the year. No one's gonna think anything. He's bad right now. Exactly. So that's our theory, guys. Tank jungles. I know, like Smithy, and we'll make the ult. Oh my God, we'll put the Sejuani change where like the ult is clickable. It's a oh. point and click. Never with it. Oh, God bless. <laughs> <laughs> if they didn't write just Ix Smithy on the patch notes, I would, that'd be, be too real. Oh, God. That would be amazing. They need to start flaming people on those patch notes. People read them. People do. All right, they, Raz, as a recap, before we close out your segment, I just want to get really quick your, your top three for MSI. What do you think the final top three placements are going to be? Oh, all right. I, uh, well, 
Invictus Gaming, SKT, and G2 for me. Safe bet. I think that is the safest yeah. bet. I'm putting. I'm still putting G2 Invictus Gaming final. I feel it in my bones. But a this lot. This is how the G2 Invictus Gaming final happens. G2 get drawn against TL, and then SKT and IG knock each other out in the semis. That's how oh, that happens. No. That's so hard. Oh, but wait. I think SKT can. Act, or I think G2 can actually be better than SKT and best. And best of exactly. And so, SKT. Oh, the last time no, SKT were at MSI, they fiddle sticked right. their best of ones and took we're not out RNG. To say the F word, so she says fiddle sticks. Yeah, I was just about um, to mention that your memory is far too strong for us. You got to get that. But the problem is, is that they changed the rule that yeah, so you, you can pick that third first C gets to pick. So they're gonna pick TL. Oh my god! Oh. What if IG just snipe SKT out? They're just like, we think we're better. We're just gonna take like we could pick TL, which is no no doubt probably the easier best of five for us. But we're just gonna take SKT straight. <laughs> that would be the ultimate disrespect. We'll see. We'll see if it happens. All right, Raz. Well, we'll see you at MSI, my friend. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Uh, Thank you for having me. Enjoy China. We'll see you soon. Perfect. I'm glad that this episode of China Talk worked out. <laughs> They're presumably going to make a cut somewhere. I have to pee. Night. Can I go pee? All right, Raz. <laughs> She's going to go pee. We're here. We're back with our final guest of the day. It's other than none other than Isaac Isaiah Cummings Bentley. Hello, sir. Thank you for waking up early in Los Angeles time no to be here. Does How's qualify as the dive for you? Because we've invited Azale on. Yeah. We'll let Azale decide. Yep. This, this is a dive for you. Yep. We have to give the naming rights. I also the like the dive goes first. You know, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> well, euphoric doesn't sound very good. Oh, wait. What would we call it? The euphoria. The euphoria. Yeah, that doesn't sound great. Okay, this is the bet now. We needed a bet for this episode. Whoever finishes higher, TL or G2, gets to name the the Euphoria Dive hybrid. (laughs) Okay, I like that. That's all right. Actually, that's not bad. I'm just looking forward to the Riff Rivals bet where we get to bet another commercial. The yearly commercial (laughs) bet. That's my my new favorite tradition. I mean, we may have lost Riff Rivals, but we won the commercial. That's the important part, you know? <laughs> that was something great came from I was that. like, wow, that's the best piece of content we've ever made. And Martin was like, that's messed up <laughs> thing to say. And I was like, damn. And I was like, I just, I was like, I, we promoted, I, I flamed myself so much on accident around that piece. Well, we're here to talk uh, about Team Liquid, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Thus far, we're going to, wait, do you want to, we're, we're going to be real with you, Isaac. We've talked to Raz. We were supposed to have Papa Smithy on, but we couldn't get him. And we also talked to Vidius, our local Korean expert in place of, Papa Smithy. (laughs) (laughs) Things aren't going great for TL. Uh, So we brought you on as like the last hope to like get us hyped, to talk about the style, to give us like the lowdown on the team. We promise we won't leak these strategies to G2, but... Yeah, before before I ask you to say anything, let me clarify how people felt. Raz is like, this team is really good, but sadly he thinks that they come, they're just fourth place in a lot of positions, right? Like they're world-class talent, but they just he doesn't feel like they can match a lot of these other teams. Uh, and for a lot of the discussions, it has been, these are the top three, and and TL sits right outside of that. So I'm curious what your mm-hmm. take is on, on TL and kind of initially your thoughts on their, them and the stack ranking. Um, I mean, I think almost everyone is probably going to tell you that they're fourth. I think it's like somewhat hard to make an argument, like at least on paper, that they're above that. But what I would also say is like, I don't think it's this distant fourth that everyone seems to be making it out to be. Like, look back at at MSI last year, right? Uh, At MSI last year, 
they went to a tiebreaker after they had, they had Ole and Paul Belter, first of all. Ole subbed himself out, so they were playing with Joey, who they literally had zero games of practice with. They lost, what, one or two games with Joey? And they still got to a tiebreaker. They've taken down some of the other top like top teams. It's not like they only beat, you know, an emerging region team. They took down Korea, they beat EU. Like this is is not unrealistic uh, for those sorts of things to happen. Team Liquid, I think like I think it's just objectively upgraded both mid lane and support. Core JJ won the MVP. I think he's the best player in North America, like in this split. I think that was uh, totally legit. He's been incredible for the team. Uh, Jensen, like he just performed very, very well at Worlds. Yes, he hadn't had the regional success, but Jensen has always been like a really good international mid laner. Whereas, you know, Paul Belter had, was kind of the inverse. He was always really good in North America, but couldn't stand up against, you know, the caps of the world, the rookie of the world, whatever. Um, you know, do I do I rate Jensen above those guys? No, but do I think that Jensen can compete with those guys? Yeah, I, I don't think that you know it's a situation where you know Jensen plays against Caps and just gets absolutely trounced every game, right? Like these are guys that are on an elite level that I think can compete, uh, and, and I think it's like much as League of Legends is these days. I think it's more down to to a team level and how the teams play. I think you know the big concern for for me as far as how Team Liquid will do is. What style are they going to play? Uh, you know, in in top because I think, despite the fact that Impact did play carries in in playoffs, I don't think that he's like the best at lane bullies, right? Well, like that that is the big thing. Like I will say, it's it's not just that he can't play carries; it's it's specifically lane bullies. I don't like him on as much. Like if you have to dominate your opponent in lane for this to be an effective pick, like that's why I don't love Chase for him, right? Because I just don't think that's his style of play. But something like like Gangplank, he's been extremely good on. Uh, I think a lot of the picks that you're playing like pseudo frontline um, that are carries, but like actually have time to scale. I think he's incredibly good on. So I, I think Team Liquid is like this is this is the best year they have had they've shown that they can like you know be close at msi before and their team has upgraded significantly like i, I don't think it's unrealistic to to assume that they could compete at msi this year do you think then because it basically we're like how far behind are they and you're like well let's measure the inches um which i think is a fair way to to view it but do you think that that is success like let's say tl make it into the knockout stage um and then they just fall down in semifinals. Is that success for TL? Is it success if they just are competitive? Or do they actually need to take games? Like, where do you measure where you like TL come home? Let's say they don't win at all, that you feel good or that you think North American fans will feel good? Uh, no one's going to feel good and they shouldn't feel good. If you're saying don't win any games, like that's that's a failure, of course, right? Well, I got to like, win some to get I, to the knockout stage. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, if, if you only get to the knockout stage by, like, you know, say, Whoever gets through, right? Like if you're only beating, um, you know, one of one of the emerging region teams to actually get through, then I don't think that's a success. If you go 06 against you know Europe, Korea, and China combined, that I don't think is success. And like whether it happens, the players would not be happy with that. The fans should not be happy with that. The teams should certainly not be happy with that. Um, I do think that they can be competitive. I do think that they'll take games. And like, if, if you're going to sit there and tell me that they're going to go 06 against those teams, like I, I would contest that. Will I say that I think they're going to have a preferential record? Probably not. But I mean, we just came off worlds last year. How many people were actually betting on, on like cloud nine to make semis on, you know, like it seems like G2 and, and Fnatic to do quite as well as they did. I think we've seen that the gap is not always as, as big as it appears. Um, and that like a lot of these players are 
within the same essentially like skill level, right? Like, yes, there are players that are, are, are higher and lower and some of the teams are better and like on average will win more, but certainly like team liquid, I think is, is within the range that they should be able to compete and take games off these teams. Like I, that, that I think is, is for sure. You know, the, um, the one of the reasons why I actually like this assessment, because I feel like a lot of people will hear that and they'll be like, you know, just because Cloud9 has success doesn't mean that TL will have success. It's what is it like sunk cost fallacy? Is yeah, that yeah. the idea where it's like just because something's happened before, it, it's not going to happen again? No, it's That's a different fallacy. Cost. Different fallacy. Yeah, it's, it's like a it's like a gambler's yeah. <laughs> fallacy or something like that. Um, but because TL have retained so much of the same roster, like because the thing is, is Invictus Gaming have retained the exact same roster. TL have only swapped out like one position. I'm actually more willing to like lean back on the idea that you can make those types of um, like assessments or predictions about the analysis of trying to weight the team, yeah. that they will have more weight behind them versus, you know, G2, who I don't think you can talk about G2 success at Worlds and then be like, but this G2, the exact same one, because I think it's a completely different team. Yeah. I'm curious when you look at like the, the once again, the theoretical uh, top teams, the the top four that would be making it to the bracket stage. I think I'm curious who you would like if you could pick for TL to play anyone. Who would you be looking at stylistically? Who would you be looking at for TL to face up toe to toe with? Is it just G2 because a lot of people believe them to be the third place team, or is there a team where no. you think TL would face uh, better? Um, I don't know. I I, I mean I, I think that right now like i would be most scared of ig for them simply because i i just think the shy is such a monster and i think that he has the ability to to like abuse probably anyone in lane to be honest but i think if, if that's if that's where you're kind of nervous about tl and that is kind of where i'm where i'm more nervous for them uh because like the, the thing is that if if tl was going to go to tanks and like go to to a more defensive play style for for impact in those sort of matchups then i would maybe have more confidence but it doesn't feel like that is a strategy that they want to do. That's not what they showed in playoffs. They have obviously like just, nope, we're going to keep playing carries. This is how we believe the game is, is best to be played right now. And and that is terrifying against the shy. Because, I mean, I would be terrified of the shy if, if I have wonder too. I'd be terrified of the shy. If, yeah, you know, we, I mean, we have wonder and we're like... Is, I'm like crossing. He's a monster. He's a, he's a monster. I'm literally like crossing my fingers. I'm like, don't worry, EU fans. I'm like crossing my fingers. I'm back like, please wonder, please wonder, please. I'm like, it's gonna be fine. Please wonder, please, please, please. <laughs> like everyone's scared, man. That man is that man is the boogeyman of top lane League of Legends. Yeah, he's he's so incredibly good. But I, I mean, you know, TL. Like to your point, for us, they were they were they lost that tiebreaker. Uh, you know, like so they're one game away at MSI. They were one game away at Worlds, and this team has upgraded into positions significantly. Right? They have two world champions, an MSI finalist, you know, and a world semifinalist as four of their five players. Like they have a tremendous amount of international experience. Doublelift is the guy who has the worst pedigree international. He has never gotten out of groups, right? Like, and that's kind of been the been the well. I don't even know if I want to call it a joke. Kind of a joke, but it's like you know these guys are all like, yeah, we we don't succeed in Italy. We don't succeed locally. So Jensen Core JJ are like, Doublelift, you carry us to a title and a we'll carry you to a, you know we'll carry you out of groups. So. Um, I mean, they, they have a lot of experience. I, I don't think that this is a team that, that should like choke. And as much as people talk about like, oh, TSM might have been the better team or whatever, I, I don't really believe that. And I also think that like were at TSM going, I would have a lot of worries about like how is Acadian going to perform his first time internationally? How are some of these guys who haven't actually been there um, going to do? 
where TL, I don't really have that. Like, I, I don't think that they're going to have the same kind of like roster style issues that they had had last year. And their bot lane looks so good in finals. Like Doublelift was on average up 25 CSD at 15 against Sven. Like Sven is a really good bot laner, right? Like CoreJJ and Doublelift are definitively the best bot lane in North America. One of the best bot lanes we've ever had, I think. So, um, you know, I'm excited to see how they actually stack up against some of the the other competition. Because like, I, I, I don't think that they are far behind like a, a lot of the the other bot lanes here at all. And I, I would actually maybe favor them against them too. Do you think it's good um, for for TL this year coming in that they start in the plans? We've we've heard in the past like how it can kind of help teams get acclimated to what is a new tournament meta to get comfortable. Is that something that will benefit TL that additional time? Even if it is obviously, there's always that risk and that fear that in that the double elimination bracket that they might not make it to main stage. But assuming that it, they probably should, right? They're definitively the strongest team in that point. Do you think it's good for them to get that additional time on stage? Are they the kind of team that needs that additional prep in like a new what could be uh, a completely different meta? I mean, I, I would argue it's it's beneficial to any team. Like when I think of, of all my tournament days and everything, like, you know, even if we were a favorite for a tournament, I wanted to play easy games at the start, right? And maybe that's doing a disservice to some of these teams, but I think it is easy if you compare like an IG to a t the team from Japan or from whatever, right? Like these are teams that are on different levels. And I think that's just being honest. And those games, I think, a help build the confidence. They give you time to actually like warm up into the environment and feel comfortable playing in a new environment. Because every time you go to a new event, every time you go to a new venue, there is, I think, like a small adjustment period of of when you're feeling like fully comfortable. And I do think that that is going to give some of these guys a, a little bit of time to adjust, uh, especially if they have like a poor read on the meta going in. I think that can be really devastating for teams if you show up to group stage and, and everyone knows something that you don't, right? Like at the end of the day, if they get knocked out of play-ins, then they didn't deserve to win the tournament. They didn't deserve to get to the main stage, right? Mm -hmm. So like for me, that's that's never really been a big concern because it's like, all right, well, if you lost a best of five to one of these teams that they were better than you and that's like that's fine that's fair right um so I, I wouldn't really be worried about that but i do think that having the ramp up having the additional games having time to actually get it get a read on the meta see what other teams are playing um i think is an advantage and there's even i think some opportunity for them to to experiment with things if they're not fully certain that like it's good from scrims and they want to try it on stage What's your read on the, or do you have a read on kind of like the mentality of the team going in? Because I feel like so many times, uh, especially Western teams and specifically North American teams, kind of get into their own heads. You know, Ole pulling himself from the stage, I think is probably one of the largest examples of just kind of like a defeatist attitude that they just kind of collapse mm -hmm. under the pressure or the strain or where they might make plays domestically. They're unable to translate it. Um, Cause I don't think TL showed what they showed domestically on an international stage. I'm not saying that if they did, it would have changed the result at all, but I think it probably would mm -hmm. have tasted better for a lot of North American fans to at least be like, yeah, they beat us, but at least our team was doing what our team does versus our team is absolutely the bed and collapsing right now and it just feels bad no, so American like fans love that, love that. <laughs> feels great man failure yeah, we love we love when our teams do that that's the best but i'm like how like is that is that going to change because that would be my one concern i am like okay yeah this team has more experience now they've upgraded pieces of the roster like they were so close let's just have another go at it and like this time or is it going to be the same mental boom did they not fix like the core problems of like whoever is in that roster that just pulls down when they need to step up 
Um, I mean, I would say they, they did fix those problems. I mean, you, you talk about LA, LA's not on the roster anymore. You know, Paul Belter, I think, was the other uh, big weakness that a lot of people pointed to during MSI. They're both not on the roster anymore, and they've been replaced by people who have done it internationally. They got replaced by a world champion and a world semifinalist, right? Like, these are guys who have all proven themselves internationally. As I said, Doublelift is the last guy without any sort of kind of pedigree internationally. But I actually think last year he played really well, both at MSI and Worlds, individually. Um, so that is one of the reasons I have more confidence in in him coming into this year because I think despite the fact that he didn't get out of groups, like he had his best international performance. It actually felt like Doublelift was playing really well last year uh, for the first time internationally, and and he's failed enough times that I think he's kind of like started to fix some of the issues and fix some of the reasoning behind that. I think TL as a whole is is confident, right? Like, do I think that they they are going into this believing that they're going to win the event? No, probably not, but. Um, I think that they would be going into it believing that it is possible to win the event, believing that you know they they can play their style and play play the way that they want to play because these guys have had such a tremendous amount of experience working towards it now, and I think that they have also like had some trials and tribulations kind of in North America, right? They had like their worst couple games down the stretch and then we're able to actually bounce back from O2 to TSM. So uh, I think that they have been tested a, a fair bit and that they should be able to at least play like to their strengths and, and play the style that they want to play, whether or not that results in them, you know, winning or, or losing horribly <laughs> remains to be seen. But I, I, I do think that we should expect them to have a, a strong performance. See, that's that's where you guys messed up though. You have all that con see, we have our backup excuse, which is if promise Q plays, we're like, ah, Get him next time. No offense, Promise is a great player, but we have our excuses ready. You think we're coming <laughs> to Rift Rivals without excuses? That's where that's where you made a mistake. We have all of our excuses ready. So Rift Rivals is a ways away. My, <laughs> that's what I got. My, I got talking to an NA, you know, analyst. Yeah, you I gotta bring it up. I'm, tired, I'm like, past I'm like, it. look, IG are scary. I'll give you that. You know how I fight fear? I put my head into the ground, or in this case, <laughs> four weeks forward in time, past MSI, or a month and a half, however long it is, into Rift Rivals. So, I'm feeling good about Rift Rapples, I gotta say. <laughs> I watched your finals. I watched Orange. <laughs> it's gonna feel real bad when Origin beats you guys. <laughs> it felt really bad when, uh, was, it, was it Echo Fox? Wait, no, 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 calm down. All right, Before sorry. You all right, go, yeah, I'm not even just, a part of this. All right. No. I was gonna bring it back. The real question. So. I won't reveal who everyone is has predicted before you of who's going to win the tournament before your prediction, but who will win MSI? Um, I just think I have to say IG. Uh, I was an IG fanboy going into last year's Worlds. I, I think that they're just so incredibly strong. Like I think that they have the, the two best solo leaners in the world right now, and I just think that the game is is run through that so much uh, that it's it's incredibly difficult to actually beat a team if both your soul lanes are losing. If your soul lanes are losing, your jungle is losing. If your jungle is losing, you've lost the map. And it's just like, it's so damn hard to play against that. Well, you'll be surprised to hear you're the first person to say that. Everyone else no? is hard on SKT. No, I'm kidding. Everyone said IG. It's like it's Everyone like the right bet, right? Team. It's the safe bet. They're they're coming off world championship. They're only I feel like most. So wait, now here's my next question. Your TL, how does TL beat IG? What happens? Ooh. Uh, I mean, I, I think that the way you have to beat IG, like so, I, I know Raz always talks about it in, in LPL cast. Like the way you beat IG is beat them at their own game. You slam them. You have to go like all early game, and and I don't think that that is like. 
like let's be real like I, I don't think that you put impact versus versus a shy and the carry versus carry and like i don't think he slams him i just don't think that happens um the way i, I do think that tl beats ig is the way i think tl beats everyone else like you have a strong bot lane performance smithy is tracking the other jungler and shutting down like what they're trying to do you know jensen and jensen and impact are essentially trying to withstand and you, you can win in a team fight right like yes ig is incredibly strong but they're not infallible like they do make mistakes even in their finals they they made mistakes right like and and i think that if you are playing conservative style which is extremely hard to do against them because they're so good at punishing any mistakes and they're so good at stumbling leads but like the way that you would beat them is I think through team fighting, is through surviving these lanes, you know, picking to play around uplift. I think it's the way that that TL like had success against TSM as well. Like in their first two games, so the way that they drafted, there was they're putting doublelift on on these champions with with no move blocks, with like no real protection for him, and he's getting dove and he's getting taken out. And I think that like enabling doublelift is the way that TL wins. It's the way that they've always won. They just have additional threats across the map now. Uh, to kind of make it easier for him to kind of be in that position. But, I mean, I wouldn't bet on them to to beat IG, but I think the way you do it is has, has to be through the same style that they've always kind of succeeded at, which is, like, weathering the storm, playing 5v5, trying to win a team fight, uh, that kind of thing. Dang, I think that's always just such a difficult ask, right? Because, like, I mean, for, for we've, when course, we talked about G2, we're like, that's why, that's we'll why fight fire with fire <laughs> versus the shy. And it's still hard. And just Invictus feels... No, what we've seen so far, pretty not infallible, but just like this, just colossal opponent. But uh, I agree with this assessment. I'd love to see like a GP, like let's say you ban out Rise Jace, you get like uh, more of a scaling matchup if it's a carry for the shy, or maybe if dream scenario they start Duke and you get a tank versus tank matchup and you get to play the GP yeah. and you just start throwing your ultimates down bottom and everyone's just having a party in the bot lane for double lift like you know if TL won that game what does the analyst does say on the other side that would probably be the first thing that you'd say you talk about the draft they neutralize the shy they got all the resources bottom I think um, yeah. it's always a really interesting question to ask like okay how did G2 beat IG. I think it's completely opposite. I think that they got winning 2v2 and they had a roaming mid laner and they just tried to 2v3 top side and you know maybe IG got over aggressive and it just snowballed out of control. If you're on that analyst desk and G2 or win, you're like, boom, wonder. He was right place, right time. They didn't keep track of uh, Caps' TP. Rookie didn't have it. Maybe he took cleanse or something in the matchup and they tried to exploit that. Like Those are the first things that come like out. I like that you're ready with both of those analyst desk segments. When that <laughs> segment comes like, out. Let's go. Please give it to me. Otherwise, just, you know, I IG, doing IG things. Uh, so we we notably lack um, a a Korean specialist today, Azale. So I do okay. want to get your your take on SKT. Wait, you don't have to be a Korean specialist. You no. can bow out. <laughs> you can also you can, you can totally bow out if you want to. But just like initial takes. Once again, like reminding people on the show uh, and and you as well that like this is kind of just initial opinions based on what you've seen so far from LCK. No one's like holding you accountable to like expert status opinion. Because there's still a lot of time left for prep. I know that everyone's yeah. like. <laughs> but we're crowd we're crowdsourcing initial impressions, and I'm just curious to see what your general opinions of SKT compare to to Raz and Vedius and, and Frost at this point. Um, I mean, I think SKT looks really strong. I actually thought that they were going to be Griffin because I just think Griffin are choke artists. Like, I think that they've shown that a, a, a couple times now, and and that they don't really have it. Like when it when it counts, it's, it seems unfortunate for them. But SKT, I think, are incredibly strong, right? Like they've they've kind of revamped their team. And when you talk about like performing when it matters, this feels like a team that they very much should. Like Faker is always incredible internationally. I think the fact that they've actually like upgraded their bot lane this much, they now do have like a lot of different different um, kind of points of power. Uh, 
So, I mean, for me, like, I, I think that those are the top two teams. It's going to be IG and SKT competing with each other. I think that IG is favored simply because, like, we have seen them do it and we have seen how dominant their solo laners look. But I think SKT has the ability to actually compete with them. Like, I think that, you know, it, it's if if TL, if you're looking at, like, oh, how does, how does TL actually beat an IG? Well, SKT probably just does that, but, like, in an easier manner because I think that their their matchups and I think that their team is is like the way that they play I think is, is somewhat similar to to how TL wants to play um, and I think that that's like a similar way that they're actually would be able to beat them is through team fighting is through five v five is through those sorts of of style of play and I think that there's not as much of of like what you would believe to be a mismatch in the top lane which is going to help them out a lot. Um, but I mean, I'm I'm really excited to see Faker back internationally. I know I think people were kind of like tired of SKT for a while because they were just winning everything. But now that they haven't, and now that they you know like have been out of it for a bit, like I'm really excited to actually see them back uh, after them not being at Worlds, Korea not doing well. Like Faker, last time he was playing internationally was a absolute monster, right? Like everyone remembers them getting slams by by Samsung, but like Faker throughout that tournament was like one v nine. He was actually insane, and I, and I want to see Faker unleashed. That's what I'm kind of really uh, excited for to see if like with everyone talking about rookie, with everyone talking about you know how like caps and, and how amazing you know so these mid laners are at the event. I want to see Faker just come in and slam everyone. <laughs> like I think that would be so exciting to see him just like absolutely back on form. Just blasting everyone, being like, "Oh, you were good last year, rookie. Oh, that's nice. You know, like, uh, well, I'm Faker. <laughs> that's because I wasn't competing. Oh. Yeah, I mean, it's brutal. I think this is in terms of like pedigree, in terms of teams that are showing up. I feel like this is the best MSI we've we've ever had. We say that every year, we, but I do agree with you. Yeah, I mean, I just yeah, feel I every mean, role feels stacked, pretty much. I think so. I mean, especially if, if you're looking at it from from like the, the European and North American perspective, right? Like G2, I think on paper, you have to say is the best European team of all time, right? I don't think you, you can like crown them that until they've like done some monumental, something monumental internationally, right? Because like after the other Fnatic hat, I think we've how given can you say that? You've given it away? You've just given it to them? Yeah, we, so we, even, we gave even, it to them. Not most successful, so, so but definitely yeah. strongest. We'll yeah. give them strongest. Okay, so I, I think, yeah, I think on paper, but I think it's fraudulent if you're saying, yeah, they're the best European team of all time. What if they burn out in groups at MSI and Worlds? Are they still the best European team of all time? I mean, Yankos would be in the running for best choker of all time, that's for sure. Poor boy. We just never. I just, I just think you can't sign, you know, you can't, you can't uh, let it, like, give them that title until they've done something worthy of it. You might be right. We might be a little bit too keen. No, my eyes. They, they feel good on my eyes. <laughs> when I look at them, it's nice. Fnatic was in the World Finals. <laughs> that, that, didn't look, that didn't feel good on that my eyes. Nice. It didn't look nice oh, on my okay, eyes. Okay, okay, <laughs> We've had okay, to rewatch okay. that final a lot. You got to understand. Yeah. I, I, I liked the I mean, view at the time. <laughs> at, least, at least on paper, maybe the greatest European team of all time. If you guys will actually, you know what? Go for it. Because then if they fail, <laughs> that's so up. good. On Frost <laughs> eyes, the greatest European team of all time. Oh, no. Either way, like, they're, they're incredible on paper. And when you look at, at TL as well, like, so from the Western point of view, like, on, on paper as well, like, who knows how they're going to do, but, like, this is the, like, the team that has the most international success, like, on paper when you're looking at pedigree, right? With two world, like, two world champions, MSI finalists, 
world semifinalist. Like this is, and the arguably greatest North American player of all time, right? Like this is, these are teams that should succeed. These are teams that should do well. And both these teams were super teams that were built to succeed internationally. So I think it's incredibly exciting to be coming into MSI and being like, okay, we're here now. Let's see what you got, right? Because the competition is certainly going to be brutal uh, against IG and SKT. <laughs> are you um, are you good at like smack talk? Are you good at throwing shade? <laughs> he is. Uh, don't don't make him bring it out. No, no, I know no. he's a former wild. Okay. this man can talk. Because here's my thing. Because we've been throwing shade at TL basically yeah. all day. So well, I want to su- subtle shade. So I I want to open up the court. You get your your chance. You get your shot at G two SKT IG. Do you feel comfortable uh, just taking pot shots? What you got? I don't know. I mean, like the thing the thing for me is when you're watching when you watch LPL, right? Like there's stuff that, that it, you're watching LPL and you're like, oh my God, these guys are so good. And then five seconds later, you're like, oh my God, when did I turn on my solo queue replays? <laughs> like, you know, like there is just some of the most monkey stuff in LPL <laughs> and they just like alternate between, wow, it's beautiful. And wow, what the hell are they doing? You know, like okay, uh, Korea, <laughs> Korea. Oh man, I mean, oh God, Korea go, is hard. Said, it's hard. It's hard, to, it's hard to flame Faker, right? But uh, Isaac, he's I, been I do... missing for the last. Time. <laughs> yeah. They put him on the he back of a milk carton. I vacation. I mean, you guys, you guys understand that G two took a vacation at MSI before Faker took a vacation at last year's Worlds. Uh, you know, I, I think. I think G2, you know, if, if I if I have to flame them a little bit, you know, we'll, we'll I, I'm excited to see Perks versus Doublelift. That's that's what I'm most looking forward to. Uh, you know, Perks Perks I think uh, maybe maybe wasn't challenged as much in the bot lane as he could be uh, at this at this event. So I'm excited to see how how that is going to shake out. But um, I don't, I don't have too much trash talk for these teams. They're all they're all really really good. Um, <laughs> but I do think that uh, you know, it was unfortunate for G two that they were playing against uh, some random flex team in the finals. You know, it was like <laughs> you're like I won't flame the people attending, but I will definitely flame all of the European <laughs> eighty carries in Origin. <laughs> See a Rift Rivals nerds. <laughs> beautiful thank you Isaac. um final prediction yeah. we've gotten this from everyone um who do you think the the top what's i said we top said top three before but like what do you what is your prediction for finishing he said it's igskt no who, yeah. then who's number three g if you had to put uh, someone in third place. i mean if, if, I, if i have to if i have to like put my put money on it i mean i, I think that you you probably want to bet on g2 i think if g2 it doesn't have like if so how likely is it that they have to replace their support so from what is we that see, like, is, is is Mickey X like out for sure? So they made an Instagram post, and then there was a subsequent Reddit thread where they made it clear that the plan was to have Mickey start games, but that the practice is still diminished, and that they're just making people very aware that like if something does get like we're, basically it makes it feel like yeah we're like we're on the cusp of Mickey not mm-hmm. being able to play is is basically what it is. It's okay. like we are still Mickey is still good to play. Mickey still wants to play, but like. If anything goes south, if he has a game where his wrist hurts more than it normally does, they will like they will they're like we are committed to his health before these 
this specific set of results. Like we want him better before we want to win MSI. So we will pull him if we need to was kind of what they were saying. Okay. So I think that matters actually a lot for, for how I would see TL versus, uh, versus G2, because I think that their biggest strength is, is their bottom lane for TL. Right. So if you have, if you have a less practice bottom lane, then I think that's, you know, definitely a, a, a way that TL can win. So let's, let's do it, baby. Let's go TL, TL third. Uh, I mean, I think, I think if, um, if G2 has, has their all their starters, I think that they, you have to probably favor them. They look they looked extremely good. And I just think that, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, maybe I, I would probably still give TL like bot lane advantage. I think jungle is, is like harder to say. I think you have to favor caps. I think you have to favor wonder. And like that, is, that then becomes kind of some of the, the same arguments that you have about about IG, whereas it's like, if you're favoring both the solo lanes for G2, then even if I think, oh, maybe Smithy's a bit better than Yankos, well, it doesn't really matter if your solo lanes lose, because then you're kind of screwed as a jungler. So then it becomes so much about bottom lane. But yeah, I mean, I think those two teams should be really competitive. I think on paper, it's probably G2. But if, if you lose your support, then I could definitely see them maybe crumbling in bot lane to some of these other bot lanes. All I'm saying is we just have to hope that TL or G2 get second so that and that IG in first place pick SKT. Or IG and SKT <laughs> fumble best of one. Yes. One of the Western Completely. teams gets first, and then they pick the other one. Because if we get an EU NA semifinal, and if we could just avoid... If Worlds if has we taught us just, anything, it's that we rigged the brackets. Yeah, if the, we just, this is the European strategy. We all saw the H2K semifinals. <laughs> 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 I mean, I, I, I think isn't it just more hype though if you have to play against SKT or IG no, and then they because beat no anyway? one remembers that because everyone talks about CLG being in that final and that was like the rise of North America but everyone conveniently leaves out that it was SKT versus RNG in that semifinal. <laughs> yeah, but everyone talks about you know <laughs> SKT versus Misfits, right? Like that's true. If, even even if you lose, if you have a good showing, people remember that. I would say that SKT. T versus Misfits is like one of the most talked about series. You know, Riv, I know, did an interview recently and he said that was like his favorite series of all time to cast, right? You know, it's, I, I think that you can have an incredible series like that. And, and I'd, I'd almost rather, like, if, if one of these teams were to make the finals of G2 or, 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 you know, TL were to make it to the finals, I don't want the asterisks beside it, right? Like, I, I'd like to see you beat SKT or beat IG, and I think that makes it so much more exciting if you do. That's why, for me, you know, C9 making semis was so exciting, because it was a North American team beating a Korean team in a best of five. And I, I think that know. was... That was, was really, really cool, right? You know, and and like these are teams that are, are are built for international success. Winning MSI would be super hype. Getting to MSI finals would be super hype, but like these are our hopes, right? Like these are the teams that you're, you're kind of putting all your, your eggs in that basket. And if you're looking down the line towards the worlds and everything, you have to be able to compete with these teams if you want to have the same kind of worlds that you did last year, especially as a European fan, right? Like you should have those high expectations. If, if your only way of, of succeeding at MSI is dodging both SKT and IG and like teams of that caliber, then you know, like you can't expect to be able to, to make back to finals at Worlds, right? So I think I, I think you should be looking looking to punch him in the mouth, looking to I, show him what you got. I feel like this is a great speech, not just for both of our regions. And I like that your your moral integrity and your competitive integrity there. But it's also a great speech for the bombers. Shout out to shout out to Australia. They got screwed earlier today. It's been a good experience. Yeah, you should check out the draw show. Oh God. <laughs> By the way, North America is going to face you the 1907 Finnebache Esport. Uh, Fong Fong Buffalo. 
uh, Latin America Isaris Gaming yeah. or the OPL Bombers. <laughs> so you guys got. I feel like OPL OPL always gets bopped in the brackets anyway, though. <laughs> Let's be honest here. They got slammed. When has OPL not gotten bopped in the brackets? Look, the OPL and disappointment do go hand in hand, but definitely they had an okay shot this year. I've been told by OPL analysts, so maybe yeah, I've been maybe told you're that right. every year by OPL analysts. <laughs> they never get to start five players. They're always down a competitive ruling. <laughs> All right. I mean, who's fault is that? <laughs> okay. All right, Isaac. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Uh, Thanks for me on. Shout ready. out to your dog. Just Shout really out to your dog. Who was, running, who was running circles Stitch. behind you on the bed. Stitch. Where is His he? name is Stitch. Oh. Come here, buddy. He can say goodbye. Oh, come here, my God. Oh, come here, bud. Oh, yeah. He's become the best guest of all time. Look at that. It was that simple. Okay. Goodbye. Euphoria, this is your gift. Uh, thank you, Isaac, for this wonderful gift to us. Um, when does MSI start? Do you know? Top of your head? Uh, Isaac, do you know? April 29th. No, that's when we fly. May 1st. <laughs> May 1st. May 1st. Oh! MSI starts. Thank God someone's read May 1st to May 19th. Yeah. Yeah. May 1st is first day of plans. Um, but I mean, time zone wise, maybe it's a different day for, for different people. Let's not check schedules, but I know it is May 1st that starts. May 1st. We'll see you guys there. Isaac, thank you so much once again for taking the time. Uh, and we'll talk to you later. Thank you, Yeah. Bye.